You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Good morning to you. It's good to be with you on this Easter Sunday morning. Our scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of Mark, the 16th chapter, starting with verse 1. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they may go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look. This is the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he said. So they went out, fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So they went out and fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Curtain. End scene. End of the story. There are no resurrection appearances in the Gospel of Mark or Jesus walking through walls or eating fish or forgiving Peter by the lake shore. The story just ends. Throughout Mark's Gospel, Mark is pushing and prodding and dragging the church to be the church. Mark doesn't want us to make resurrection a singular moment in history that we enshrine and that we celebrate because that is how you make an idol. You fix it, you place it on a pedestal, and during the appropriate season, you pull it out of the sacristy, you celebrate it, you honor it, and then when the season has come and gone, you place it back in the closet for next year. That's what happens when we find an ending satisfying. All questions have been answered. All meaning has been explained. There's little reason to go back into the story and to pay attention to what we might have missed. Sometimes good stories end abruptly. And it leaves us wanting more, looking for clues, wondering what happens. Like, the ending of The Sopranos, the ending of 
No Country for, for Old Men, which are just two great family favorites that you should gather the, chi- the children around and, and don't do that. When stories end in this way, they are meant to call us back into the story from the beginning. For example, what does the empty tomb mean? Should I be rejoicing? Should I be terrified? Mark is a subversive gospel. Mark is not polite. Mark is challenging. It's like the last line of the text. They said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. This is Mark's opinion about the church. The church says a lot of nothing because the church is afraid of what exactly believing in the resurrection might actually mean in the world. When the Sabbath was over, the women bought spices and went to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. This is the polite thing to do. It is the customary thing to do. It is the traditional thing to do, but it is not the faithful thing to do because you do not bring spices to a tomb that you know is empty. Their holy imaginations cannot fathom that death was not the end of the story. Their holy imaginations are so starved that they cannot imagine resurrection. So, they rely on what is polite and customary and traditional. What else are they supposed to do exactly? And they had to get up early in the morning to go buy spices. It's a small detail, but it is quite telling. They didn't already have the spices with them because they truly didn't believe that the cross was going to happen, that Jesus was going to die. Jesus wouldn't have allowed that. God shouldn't have allowed that. The disciples fled when Jesus was being crucified, and it says that the women remained, and often this is preached as a sign of devotion, but not in Mark's gospel. After Jesus died, Mark writes, there were also women looking on from a distance. They used to follow Jesus and provided for him when he was in Galilee. After Jesus died, Mark says they used to follow him. What a mournful verse at the end of Jesus' life. The crowd had been shouting, you who said you would destroy the temple in three days, rebuild it. Even you can't save yourself. Jesus, take yourself down from the cross. If you are the Messiah, take yourself, save yourself from this suffering. And the women were watching from a distance because they know the scriptures. They know that God was going to show up. And when God shows up, there is fire, there is wind, there's an earthquake. So they watched the cross from a distance. They knew Jesus wasn't going to die. They knew it. And yet, Jesus did. So, Early in the morning, they have to go to the market to buy spices so that they can do the polite, customary, and traditional thing. 
as they were walking, they were concerned with what they assumed to be their biggest obstacle. Who will roll the stone away for us? They were watching the cross from a distance because they expected a miracle. And now their greatest obstacle that they assume is before them, they just know will be there. Now Mark does something interesting here. He says that they looked up and saw that the stone had been rolled away. Mark has used this language before. Mark uses this this phrase, looked up, to signal that a miracle is about to happen. In the feeding of the 5,000, it says that Jesus took the bread, looked up into the heavens, broke the bread, and then the thousands were filled. When they brought a, a deaf man to Jesus, Jesus does something really curious. He puts both of his fingers in his ears, spits on the ground, grabs his tongue, and then looks up to the heavens and says, be opened. And the man could once again hear. At the cross, they were looking from a distance, but here they are looking up because this is the miracle on Easter Sunday. They had their faith in the wrong miracle happening. Jesus taking himself off of the cross was not going to happen. But here, the obstacle that they think is going to impede them doesn't actually exist. And this is Mark poking and prodding the church yet again. Stop assuming barriers that don't exist. Look up. Eyes wide open. You've been expecting the wrong miracle because you aren't seeing Christ clearly. When they entered the tomb, they see a young man in a white robe and they were terrified and I don't blame them. He says to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. Mark does it again. They were looking for Jesus. Mark has used this phrase before. When Jesus cured many in Capernaum and he left the job unfinished and he went out to a deserted place to pray by himself, the disciples came and they were looking for Jesus. They were hunting for Jesus to come and collect him and bring him back to Capernaum to finish the job. But Jesus says, no, we're going to the next town. When Jesus' family, several chapters later, they were looking for Jesus to come and collect him and to bring him home because his family thought that Jesus had lost his mind. They were looking for him to collect him and bring him home. The chief priests, the scribes, and the Pharisees, they were looking for Jesus in order to arrest him and crucify him. They weren't perceiving They were looking for Jesus, hunting for Jesus. The young man says, you are looking for that Jesus. You are looking for someone to perform a miracle for you. You are looking for someone who won't cause any problems or stir your soul. You are looking for the Jesus that won't break any rules and stay in his place. That Jesus isn't here. And he never was. 
Stop looking for that Jesus. Start perceiving, start seeing the Christ. But then he tells them to go to Galilee, for there you will see him just as he told you. And they were afraid of what this might mean. And then then the story ends. Curtain. Screen goes dark. The audience isn't sure if they should get up or or stay or, or clap or cry. Is there an end credit scene? Where is this going? It just ends. Go to Galilee. You will see him just as he told you. In other words, Mark is begging us to go back into the story. If we are looking for Jesus of Nazareth that was crucified, what did we miss? If we are looking at the cross from a distance, let's go back into the story and investigate what we didn't understand. If we are worried about the barriers and excuses that we make up, let's go back and look up to the heavens and wrestle with the times when even the church got it wrong. Mark is a story about how the disciples, the believers, you and me, often get it wrong. But because of God's grace, God does not abandon us. God remains faithful to us. God died for us. God rose again for us, even when we are looking for Jesus in all of the wrong places. All of Scripture should be understood through the lens of resurrection. Mark chapter 16, verse 8 is not the end of the story because the next thing we are supposed to read is Mark chapter 1, verse 1, but now with resurrected eyes and a renewed mind. We are called to read the story again, often realizing that we are looking for Jesus instead of perceiving and understanding the risen Lord. Realizing how often we are the crowd hunting for a Jesus who isn't there. As we continue to read and study and fast and pray and serve, we begin to realize that the story continues. And it's still being told. Today. Now. And it's because the risen Lord lives within you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is it that there are no resurrection appearances in the Gospel of Mark? It's because we're still writing the story now. In the way that we live. In other words, stop looking for a Jesus that never existed and start living a resurrected life. Resurrection reveals that the heart of God is possibility itself. Scripture qualifies this by saying possibility is expressed as love. Resurrection reveals that nothing can stop God's story, not heights or depths or powers or principalities, not even death. And because of this, we should love one another with reckless abandon. 
And it's not easy. It often hurts the bottom line. It chips away at the idols that we hold dear. It sometimes causes fear because we have to rethink our assumptions. But resurrection is our story. Resurrection is what it means to be alive. In other words, imagine that the next verse in Mark chapter 16, verse 8, begins with your story and how Christ is working and living through you. To stop looking for a Jesus that isn't there and start living with the one who is. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and most loving God, author and preserver of all life, you who gives us breath, you who walks with us even when we are looking for Jesus in all the wrong ways, Father, we give you thanks that you never abandon us that not even death can keep you from us. So pour out your spirit upon all of us here. Give us the courage not to run away in fear, but to go back, to listen, to look, to perceive. So that the story that seems unfinished may be told again and again in us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.